you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. Well, today as we jump in, we're going to look at a parallel passage. And we've been looking at Luke 5, but each of the gospel writers may have written the same story but a different way. You know, one may have followed up with more or less detail, uh, or one may have said, this is how the chronology of the day went, so this is the very next thing that happened. And that's what I want to dive into today. So as we have been in previous messages looking at Luke chapter 5, I want to start in Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus talks about this new wine and new wineskins. He says in verse 17, They don't put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. Now they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. While he spoke these things to them, now notice that, while Jesus spoke this message of new wine and new wineskins to them, a ruler came and worshipped Jesus, saying, My daughter has just died. This is an interesting way to worship, but follow here. My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Oh, don't miss that. The things that Jesus is doing is already different, and his disciples are following that different way, much like you and I are called to follow him, even in a different way. This is new wineskins again. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Why were these people healed? Have you asked yourself that? Like, what happened in these moments? Jesus is arising after he was kind of preaching out this message about new wine and new wineskins and how that all works. And immediately this interaction takes place, followed by another interaction, which uh, people would say was an interruption. Uh, It happened because Jesus did not shut himself up. He did not limit his presence. He didn't keep his new wine shut up in a cellar somewhere. No, he put himself out there with the people. That's lesson number one for us. Put yourself out there with the people. Get around some people. Again, I've told you from the beginning, even of the pandemic, get on FaceTime. Get face-to-face with some people. Make some phone calls. Let them know that you love them. Be with them. And not only that, but anyone else you come into contact with. Maybe at your workplace or your school. Maybe in your neighborhood. You know, when Jesus says, love your neighbor, I'm pretty convinced that he means your neighbor, you know? And so, you know, we can get flowery with him and say, well, anybody, and that's true. But, hey, don't ignore your neighbor either. This is all happening because Jesus puts himself out there with the people in the, in the fresh air, so to speak. He opens himself up in the open air, not walled in by any constraint, Giving, giving, giving. Jesus came to serve, not to be served, he said. He's giving to people all around him, and they were all made new. And he's making us just like him, not just like them. Of course we get the benefits. No, Jesus is making us new to become just like him. Don't miss it. 
That's your destiny, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, going where he went, extending how he extended, and preaching how he preached. And that is how you are being made new and how everyone else will be made new around you. That's the series we're in. It's called Made New. And this message is, you gotta let it breathe. Come on, we're talking about new wine and new wineskins. You gotta let it breathe. Would you turn to two places in your Bibles? Turn to 1 Corinthians 9 and Ezekiel 37. 1 Corinthians 9 and Ezekiel 37, as we talk about, you got to let it breathe. Now before we get to Ezekiel or 1 Corinthians, I want to take you all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, where everything was perfect. You know, God made all this stuff, made the earth, made the atmosphere, made day and night, sun and moon and stars, made all the animals and gravity and atmosphere and everything, and He called it good. It lacked nothing. It was complete. It was perfect. You know, when the Lord says it's good, it's good. That's not just a man's assessment, right? That's the creator of everything says that's good. You know it's good. And so in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And in Ephesians 2, 1 and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now hold on to that. You know, we were dead and he has made us alive. The breath of God breathed out by him into you and into me makes us alive. And now I want to look at how the people in Ezekiel are just like us in that way. And we're going to find ourselves in their story. So in Ezekiel 37, starting in verse 1, let's read together. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me, Ezekiel, and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley. You know, it's interesting to me. Here I am preaching to you from Apple Valley. I don't know, it's just a little extra for me. And set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. You know, think about the whole high desert where we dwell, full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. So what he's saying is not just a couple bones, and not just a little bit dry. No, there's tons of bones, and lots of dryness in these bones. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? That's an interesting question for the, the God of the universe to be asking some man, right? And so I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Yeah, not, not wanting to put himself on the hook there, right? I think you and I might answer the same way. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Now, interestingly, that word breath comes from the Hebrew word ruach. Ruach. And I hope I'm saying that right, so don't look it up and condemn me if I'm wrong. But the noun of that means breath or spirit. 
Think of like the spirit of a man. When you become born again into God's family, you have an alive spirit. You've been made new. You know, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And the root verb of this word, ruach, means this, to smell, to perceive aroma, to accept, and, and even this, to enjoy. It's an enjoyable sort of aroma. You know what that makes me think of? We were talking about it recently. That new wine smell. Isn't that right? Doesn't that bring that image to your mind? That new wine smell. This is that word, ruach, the breath that God breathes into us. See, it has that pleasing aroma of new wine and the the good stuff that Jesus makes, right? The master of the feast says, hey, everyone else serves the good stuff first, but you've chosen to serve the good wine at the last. The wine that Jesus himself made was by the expert deemed the good wine. All right, so let's continue in this scripture in Ezekiel. In verse 7 it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling. Some would say, oh, there's a rattling. That's right, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over. Isn't that what the Lord said would happen? But there was no breath in them. Interesting. So what happens, let me ask you this, what happens when all these bones start coming together, right? Even as individuals, you know, all the bones that would make up your body, right? All these bones start coming together. And even all the bones of your body and mine and everybody else, even in the rock, what comes together as we're a group of people being put together bone to bone? Nothing. Nothing happens until the breath of God is breathed into you to be breathed out of you. Nothing happens. You just look good. And you're just together. What? I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm probably bringing you into a new focus in this passage than you've ever thought possible. But nothing happens until something is spoken. In the kingdom of God, nothing happens until the breath of God comes in and goes out. Comes in and goes out. That's how we breathe, isn't it? And so look what God says next to fix this predicament. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet. An exceedingly great army. I, I, I want to break this all apart. I want to show you what's going on here. We cannot allow ourselves to be among those who stop at standing. As if standing is just good enough for us. No, no, no. Like standing water. Have you ever smelled standing water? Haven't we talked about this? It's disgusting, right? It starts to stink. It has no other inlet or outlet. It's just collected somewhere. Oh, it's standing, all right. And standing water stinks. Standing water doesn't have that pleasing new wine aroma that you enjoy, that you accept willingly. No, no, no. That's not the ruach, so to speak. No, no, no. We become an army. An army. And this this word here means a force of wealth, of might, strength, ability, activity, efficiency. 
These are all great words, mobilizing words, effective words. And it comes from the Hebrew word chayil, chayil. It means you become, you obtain, you embody chayil by the breath of God. Lovingly and purposefully breathed into you by God Himself. Army of bones, once dry, rejoined and filled with breath. You gotta let it breathe, church. You gotta let it breathe. So look back at verse 10 as if you were in a mirror seeing yourself in this passage. I, Jeff Little, your pastor, am prophesying right now to you. The Jesus in you, the Holy Spirit in you, breathing His life into you and through you to come out of you and bless others. Then He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Now stop right there for just a quick second. The whole house of Israel is God's people. And in our context, we could very well say, hey, that's you and me right now. Yeah, we're not Jewish necessarily, you know, per se. You know, we're maybe mostly of us, most of us are Gentiles, you know, but we've been grafted in and we're every bit as part of the family as they are. But he says, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And I would say to you today, even in the faith, in Christianity, in our valley, in our desert, valley full of dry bones, very dry bones. And what are we going to do about it? They indeed say, okay, now watch this. The people themselves say, our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. And we ourselves are cut off. Why are so many Christians waiting to exhale? Shoot. Breathe in. Breathe out. And you stay alive. And you keep it moving. Let's continue. It says, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, and I have opened up your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you. You hear that ruach again? And you shall live, and I will place you into your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. God says, you will know, you will absolutely know that I am pouring the new wine into you. Into this new wineskin that you are allowing yourself to become. I'm pouring it into you so you can pour it out on others. As you allow yourself to be made new, new wineskins, loving Jesus, living Jesus, and giving Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, remember, your hand. And how far away ever are you from your hands? Only this far, never very far. God placed it that close. Remember, the word is near you in your mouth. Look, you have so much to offer people around you. Don't hold it back you got to let it breathe. God gave it to you. you got to let it breathe. In Revelation, near the end of the Bible, in fact, if you go to the very last page and you just turn a couple pages back, you'll find Revelation chapter 21. That's what I did just now. Revelation 21. And in verses 5 and 6, it says this, Then God, who sat on the throne, said, Behold, I make all things new. And He said to me, 
Right, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. For your sake, God gives freely. Look at what Jesus tells you to do with this free gift. In Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8. Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8. Of course, verse 7 is on the very next page from where I turn. Here we go. Jesus says, As you go, preach or breathe this out, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here now. It's happening. And so he tells us, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Why? Freely you have received, freely give. This is the words of Jesus here. What have you got that you haven't yet given away? Has someone discipled you? Has someone spent a bunch of time raising you up and growing you up and speaking purpose and destiny and identity into you? Has someone equipped you to serve others well, like Jesus? Has someone commissioned you towards kingdom service? Has someone performed a miracle to meet your personal, individual, unique need in a moment because God was empowering you? Has someone breathed all this out to you that you haven't yet given away? What free gifts have you been freely given that you haven't yet Notice I say yet, because I believe in you, freely passed along. It's not just meant to be standing still in you, standing water. Now look, what am I saying? Is this going to be easy? No. Nowhere in here does Jesus say it's going to be easy. I'd tell you, I would love that scripture if he said it was. No, it's costly. It is going to cost you to give of yourself to others. But we lay down our culture for that. We pick up the kingdom. See, when you lay something down, then you can pick something up. When you say, my culture isn't everything, I don't care what's going on, the kingdom of God is my priority. I'm going to lay down my culture, I'm going to pick up the kingdom, that's going to become my culture. And we give that away. We lay down our time. We lay down our convenience to love our brothers and our sisters. We lay down our preference to prefer our neighbor and show them the love of Jesus. We give because we've been given to. you got to let it breathe. Look at the requirement Paul explains in 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19. He says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. Win what? Win some kind of prize? Well, yeah. If you have a heavenly perspective, the prize is the people, right? We don't care about numbers, but every number is a person, so we kind of do care about numbers, right? We care about how effective we're being. He says, I want to win more than I have already won. And many of us would say, I haven't even yet, in all my decades of being a Christian, won anyone to faith in Christ from death to actual life. No, I've watered him a little bit, I've planted some seeds, but I've not reaped anything yet. Paul is saying, I have and I want to win more. And for you and me, no matter how many we've led to faith in Christ, we should want to win more. Someone say amen to that. I want to win more, Jesus. Help me. Amen. 
He says, and to the Jews, I became as a Jew. Now, of course, he was a Jew, but we'll get into that some other time. He says, I became a Jew that I might win Jews to Jesus. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who were without law, as without law, although parenthetically he does say, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. He says, to the weak, I became as weak that I might win the weak. And I say to us right now, even contextually, to the mask wearers, I become as a mask wearer. Why? So I might win the mask wearers. They might know that I have compassion enough to lay my own preferences or thoughts aside and say, I care enough about you. I want you to know that you're being protected and I'm doing my part because I see you and I love you and I want the very best for you. You know, whatever the perspective is, we need to get a heavenly perspective on it. You know, we can get trapped and stuck down here in the muck and the mire in the world's perspective, in the world system. But no, God is saying, I see from up here, I see everything clearly. Love your neighbor. Now, let's continue in this scripture. He says, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now I do this for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker of it with you. Paul is saying, I am almost willing to like be a contortionist for the opportunity to win you to eternal life in Jesus Christ and share that glorious blessing with you forever. I'm willing to do this and, and to bend and to contort and all that so that you feel comfortable. I'm willing to wear a mask so that you feel comfortable. I'm willing to, to distance at the store so that you feel comfortable. I'm willing to do church online so that we don't all get together and infect each other so you feel comfortable. Amen. And God bless you for it. You know, your faithful attendance means something in the kingdom. And it means something to the world who are, make no mistake, still looking at us and saying, well, what are these guys going to do? What are they going to do? Are they going to become super spreader moments? You know, gather together and forget everybody else because they got a right and they got their freedoms and they're Americans and don't tread on me and all that. No, no, no. Look, the world is watching and the better we do with this, the more influence that we're going to have to save some. Praise God. Now, look where this passage goes next. Are you ready? It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? He says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. You know, Paul is saying, run. You're in a race, for heaven's sake, run and run to win. We're all in this race and the prize is people to, that I might save some. I want to save people. I want to see them enter the kingdom and the family of God. Run after them. You know, anyone who's known me and Pastor Jennifer for any time at all, been around the rock for any time at all, even been to the campus, you know, on the back wall, it says, run, we're about this. We created a small group series called Pursuit, and there's an image of a runner right on the logo, on the graphic, because we are intent on creating a bunch of runners in our church here. The Lord has not been silent on this issue with us. He's been very, very clear, run. Ever since Pastor Jerry commissioned us and invited us and, and, and trusted us, 
sending us up here with you, the precious people of the high desert. You know, we've been on mission. God just keeps directing our hearts right back to his heart. You know, Jesus saying, come on, freely you've received, freely give, freely give. You need to give. I've given. It's time for you to give. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, but now you're the light of the world. Same Jesus, same message. Run. Run to as many people so you can give freely what I've given you. And Pastor Jennifer and I just keep on preaching his message that way. You know, the rock preaches the whole Bible. If you've been around, again, you know that's true. We don't just preach the easy, hey, you're a winner passages, you know. That's not all the Bible contains. There's The Lord lays before us blessings and cursings, and he says, choose blessings, not cursings. But we always tell you the whole counsel of God, because we don't want you to be ignorant of the devil's devices, And if we don't, you can very well easily be ignorant of his devices, and it's not worth it. And so we don't just do the easy stuff. We bring to you the whole counsel of God so that you can choose blessing. We know that as we grow people up and as we make disciples, as we build solid lives, that people who have been enjoying milk, maybe for a long time, they start get developing a taste for meat. And they're like, man, it's delicious. You know, we're the spiritual meat. And we're digging deep and laying the foundation on the rock in Jesus' name. When we do that, we know that the written, it, like it's not a secret, purpose of the Bible is fulfilled. And it's the church being the church. It's you and me being what the Bible describes us as being. Each one actually making disciples and not, you know, abdicating that to the pastor or the professionals or or somebody who you think is more spiritual than you. No, no, no. It's all of our responsibility. How beautiful is that? Making disciples is the mission. The rock is a place where real Christians are made. And perhaps our obedience to preach this uncompromised word of God is why he has entrusted us with his prophetic message over us. I have given you the desert. Amen. I have given you the desert, the Lord says, because he can see that we are trustworthy to live and breathe his message out without compromise. Every single one of us has a decision to make. Will I let God make me new? Will the the new wineskin of my life be opened up to love others just like Jesus did and does? This new wine Jesus has made, will I let it breathe? Am I ready to pour it out freely and bless others? Come on, if you are nodding and agreeing with me, I'd like you to pray this prayer after me. Would you do it? Come on, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes and eliminate all distractions as we pray these words together. Say, Father God, I recognize just how much you've given me. And I hear your command to give it away more than I ever have. I want to honor you with my life. So I decide and declare right now before you that I will be obedient to freely give. My life is to be useful to you to make disciples. Myself. Me. A disciple maker. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.